0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords.
1: My name is John Keely. This is the podcast segment of the show
0: that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 386th
1: show is Dr. Margaret Morse, Associate Professor of Art History and Fine Arts Division Chair at Augustana College, who will be talking to us about the 500th anniversary of the death of Raphael. Our history buffs for today are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. Ed, you get to start off this time.
0: Thanks, John. Professor, if I go to the Vatican, uh, one of the Vatican Museums, um, I'm going to see, or can see, um, a series of four rooms that were painted by Raphael. Can you walk us through those four rooms um, and tell us how his technique progressed or changed from the first room to the last one?
1: So, yeah, you would walk through, um, probably you'd be going first into the Stanza della Signatura, which was the... Um, Library of Pope Julius II, um, and so that um, has on the four walls the kind of four, ma- four major disciplines, philosophy, theology, law, and or jurisprudence, and um, poetry. And so this is really what many consider to be like the epitome of um, high Renaissance style, which is... Um, so, Raphael and Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo, these three artists are considered to be high Renaissance artists, meaning this is a time um, in the first couple decades of the 16th century where we really see this kind of grandeur in art. Um, so, there's this definite interest in the classical world. Um, figures are both naturalistic yet idealized. Um, and so, in this, in this room, colors are generally fairly bright Um, and there's just a sense of kind of optimism of the figures you have, like, for example, in the wall that represents philosophy, which is the school of Athens, you have all these great thinkers of the ancient world, Plato and Aristotle and, and others who are kind of converging together in this school of learning. So there's this sense of just, you know, optimism about the intellectual abilities of man, and it's kind of expressed in their really their monumental stature and their grand poses. Um, and then uh, as you move into these other rooms, you move into the stanza di Leodoro, or the room of Heliodorus. Um, this was a room that uh, had special significance. It's a, it's a bit more specific to Pope Julius II. Um, it, it had to do with his, more, his devotional and political aspirations as Pope, So some of the subjects include like a rare subject called the expulsion of Heliodorus. Um, And so this is an Old Testament subject. There's also the Mass at Bolsena and the liberation of St. Peter from prison. And so that's one of my favorite paintings in the room. And in this particular painting, so everything is getting kind of darker, like colors are becoming richer. Um, there's a stronger contrast between light and dark. And so in this uh, space, in the painting of the liberation of St. Peter from prison, we actually see St. Peter in jail. He's in prison. And the way that Raphael does this is he, he shows this strong, like, silhouette of the bars of the prison. So you have this really strong contrast between the black of the, the prison bars um, because it's a nighttime scene, so everything's sort of illuminated by candlelight, and it's it's a, it's a much more dramatic image. And then you move into the stanza del incendio, um, which this is commissioned by the next pope, Pope Leo X. So these are large frescoes that um, really kind of communicate the significance of the the papacy as a spiritual but also a temporal power. Um, and so they had more topical relevance for Leo X. Um, and most of these are probably done more by his workshop. Some of the poses are becoming a little bit more awkward rather than the grace that we, we really see in um, the stanza della senatura. Um, and then there's also um, there's the Sala di Constantino, which may have been mostly a workshop Production. Um, that's a very large space with lots of just battle scenes. There's also a space in the Vatican called the the Vatican Loggia, um, which is this kind of hallway that faces onto a courtyard. There's windows, um, and that is less. It's less narrative scene and more decorative work. Um, so what we call grotesque or grotesques, which were like. Um, fantasy-like figures that kind of crawl all over the wall. This is actually taken from ancient forms of decoration. Um, and we know that Raphael's workshop played a role in um, decorating this space as well.
0: Okay. Um, Terry, do you have a question?
1: Uh, yes. One of the I understand is it's self-portrait and that um, there was, according to the Smithsonian, they had found uh, in the Pantheon um, – of his remains and they did a 3D facial reconstruction um, can you talk a little bit about that please so I, I, I don't I may have missed the first part of your question so you said that there's a you, you want the remains of Raphael from the Pantheon There was a 3D reconstruction yes okay uh, um, go ahead sorry oh no go ahead thank you um, yeah, these these kinds of three D reconstructions are done a lot, and um, trying to to recreate what what a person might have looked like. Um, so you you know using various forms of medical technology. Um, I'm not as familiar with this this three D reconstruction. You know how accurate it might be. Um, it's I mean to me it's less important what he would have looked like. We do have, I mean, we have some, like his self-portrait, for example. Um, He includes his self-portrait in the Stanza della Signatura in that image of the School of Athens. Um, So I think that's kind of an interesting way of the artist's own presentation of himself, that he is part of this great group of thinkers and intellectuals. Um, So he's kind of including himself as a present-day artist in the, the great magnitude of, of the past. Um, but yeah, these kinds of reconstructions are done uh, frequently, even, you know, ancient mummies and other kinds of, of re- human remains. Um, it's hard to say how, you know, I, it, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know exactly how accurate those, those are, um, but it is certainly fascinating to kind of get a sense of what somebody may have looked like in the past.
0: Okay. Um, Margaret, my question yeah. is kind of the uh, the legacy. You talked about, you know, sort of mm-hmm. the, the workshop being part of a second generation of, of masters coming up. Um, how big of a legacy does Raphael have? And does it compare to Michelangelo and da Vinci, who I think we as as sort of general school children hear a great deal about those two and and we don't hear much about Raphael. Is he more of an influence, you know, in the generations immediately after him and then, and then sort of fades out a little bit or is that just an American sort of cultural twerk?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, in some ways, Raphael didn't have Well, he wasn't quite as, um, uh, you know, inventive as Leonardo da Vinci, right? So Leonardo da Vinci had his hand in everything, and there's so many drawings of Leonardo's and and his notes, so we we can kind of get in the mind of this fascinating individual who was interested in so many different things, from flying machines to anatomy. Um, and Michelangelo had more of, of a, he was kind of this brooding artist, so he kind of fits into our more modern idea of an artistic temperament, and Raphael was, like, very agreeable. Um, one of the reasons why he was doing so many commissions is because he, well, he was raised in a courtly culture, and he he could kind of work the circuits, you know, so he could, he could, hang with the popes and cardinals and, um, you know, nobles who really kind of appreciated his more gentlemanly style, and maybe that doesn't really kind of make him quite as interesting to us today, um, who, who like a more complicated story, uh, but he, he really did have quite an influence. I mean, certainly his successors, those who worked in his, his workshop, but it is... Um, 1520 is is a really important year when we think about when for anybody who studies Renaissance art history, um, because the death of Raphael is often seen as kind of this shift in style in the 16th century, and so you you move away from this kind of grace and elegance of Raphael to just something a little bit more awkward and odd, intentionally so. What we call Mannerism with sort of a showiness of of a lot of artists. Um, So that kind of—so there was this kind of movement away from Raphael in the immediate um, decades after his death. I mean, even some of his own followers. But then when we move into the 17th century, into this era that we call the Baroque period, we see a lot of artists gravitating back to Raphael. So um, the Carracci family, a family of artists from Bologna who did a number of commissions in northern Italy as well as in Rome— they set up an academy, and Raphael was one of the the model artists that they taught. Um, the famous French artist who worked most of his life in Rome, Nicolas Poussin, his, he, Raphael was a huge influence on Poussin. And Poussin's work, uh, he kind of, well, in the later part of the 17th century, Louis XIV, um, begins the French Art Academy. And so it's the art of Nicolas Poussin, which is really based on Raphael. That is kind of the curriculum, essentially, for the French Art Academy. Um, Sir Joshua Reynolds, it, who was the president of the Royal Academy of Art in London, gave lectures on art, and Raphael was one of the models um, for, for artists then. So he really does make this resurgence at different moments in history, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's just as significant as the ones, you know, we're more used to hearing about, like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. Well, to take that a little further, I mean, da Vinci mm-hmm. dies not even a year before Raphael. So with that shift that you're talking about, is it that you have two giants within an 11-month period, uh, leave our world forever, that there
0: was that shift of change or...
1: Um, yes, but it it was kind of starting a little bit prior um with some of the works sure. of Michelangelo. Um Leonardo, I mean, in some ways by that time Leonardo is in France and he's working for right. uh Francis I. So he he really was kind of absent from Italy. And and Leonardo's important and we know Raphael looked to to Leonardo, but I don't think he really had, well, He may have had some influence in Northern Italy, um, but he didn't have quite the impact that I would say Raphael and Michelangelo had because he didn't produce as much work. He was a slow artist. Um, And all of those drawings that he made, I mean, he intended to to publish like treatises on anatomy. It never happened. Um, He brings Mona Lisa with him to France. He brings a lot of his, his work that he just never finished to France with him so um it eventually kind of became part of the the royal collection of france um so yeah i mean in some ways I, I, it, there, that there is this shift because of, of the deaths of these two great artists but but some of it was starting to emerge a little bit beforehand
0: we would like to thank our guest for this 386th show dr margaret morse associate professor of art history and fine arts division chair at augustana college We've been talking about the 500th anniversary of the death of Raphael. Our history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 PM. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at Station KALA, St. Ambrose University.